Those are some pretty cute kids, right? Yeah. Um, I think they're especially cute because two of them belong to me, but they did a really good job of reading that passage of scripture for us, which comes from the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That's the passage we're going to be studying together today. So if you have a Bible, feel free to go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible, there are two tables in the back of the room, and there's a kid's Bible there and an adult Bible. The adult Bible is the blue Bible, and 1 Corinthians 12 is on page 785. If you're new or you're visiting, you're thinking, does Willy Wonka always show up on a Sunday? He does not. I promise you, he won't be back for a while. Michael's in a cage. We're going to have to talk to him, okay? But family service is something that we do about four or five times a year because we believe it's important for us as a church family to partner with parents in raising their kiddos to know and love and follow Jesus, whether they are little bitty or like all of our students that are right here. So that's why we do what we do, and we love celebrating that. We're also celebrating baptisms this morning. First service, we had a young lady named Rebecca that was baptized. It was a huge celebration. And I want you to know that as a church family this year, we have had almost 20 different people be baptized in the Genesis Church family, and we love celebrating that, the newness of life that we see. So would you mind celebrating that with me? Because I think that's a really important thing for us to celebrate as a church family. Now, all you kiddos, and I guess you guys, you guys are kiddos as well, there's also something else that we're celebrating today. Anybody want to shout it out? Other than the Colts game at one o'clock, is there anything else big happening today? What is it? Halloween. Halloween. Yeah, it's Halloween, right? Of course it's Halloween, which is kind of a big day for kids everywhere. So because it's Halloween, I brought some, some decorations. And I got to say, I was hoping to get something a little better, bigger than this, but everything was sold out. But this is what I brought today. But now to the, to the untrained eye, this looks like just your average Halloween decoration, but actually it's not, okay? It's, yes, it is a pinata, but it actually has everything to do with what we're studying today from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Because in that passage that we just read, the apostle Paul was talking about how all the parts of the body have to work together as one unit. And so we're gonna talk about that in just a second, but I wanna see how much we know about the human body. So we're gonna do another quiz, okay? I didn't know that Michael and Nikki were gonna do a quiz. We're gonna do a quiz as well. And I wanna see how well specifically all of you paid attention in health class, okay? Because these are some answers that you should know, but you don't shout it out. You gotta, you gotta raise your hand, okay? So here's the first question. How many bones are there in the human body? Now, this is, a, this is an awkward representation of that. This is probably not close. Is the answer A, 62, B, 206, C, 262, or D, all of the above? Okay, you had your hand up first, right back here. Oh, not quite. Uh, actually, Luella, you were next. B, 206. Good job. Now, I have fact-checked this with Wikipedia and Siri, so you know that you can trust these stats, right? However, when I Googled how many bones are in the body, some people say 206 and some people say 213. I don't know where the extra comes from, but 206 is what Siri said, so that's what we're going with. How many organs? Here's the next question. How many organs are there in the human body? Now, an organ is like your skin, your liver, your stomach, your heart. How many of those? Is it, somebody's already raising their hand. Okay, hold on, just be patient. Golly. Is it A, 78, B, 87, C, 870, or D, none of the above? Okay. D, none of the above? No, I got you on that one. Hold on, what about your sister? Did you have a guess? 78, bingo, man, nice. <laughs> you surprised yourself. You're like, I knew that. I didn't even know that I knew that. 
Here's the most important question. What does any of that have to do with what we're talking about today, right? Well, here's why all that matters, okay? When the Apostle Paul wrote his letter to the the Corinthian church, he had lived in the city of Corinth for about a year and a half. And his goal in living there was to plant a church, and he did, okay? But after he left, after a year and a half, he started getting reports that all these people that were now following Jesus in Corinth were fighting with one another. And there was divisions. There was, they were fighting over the type of food you should eat. They were fighting over who, who was better than the rest. They were even fighting on the way that they were going to do their church services. And their church services apparently were more like a circus where people were just talking over one another all the time. And so when Paul heard this, he wrote them not one, but two different letters that, that are recorded for us in the New Testament as the books of 1 and 2 Corinthians. And in 1 Corinthians 12, he uses this analogy of the church being like a body to help them understand, to help us understand why it is so important that we all work together. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, Paul says this, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. And so Paul says in the same way that God has created us with hundreds of bones and several dozen organs, that's the way he's made our body, he also says that's the way he's designed the church to work. As a diverse body of believers with different cultural backgrounds and different gifts and abilities, and we all come together to make up the church, the body of Christ. And so here's what's really, really important for us to know. For those of us that follow Jesus, we actually make up a representation of Jesus's body to the rest of the world. That's a really big deal. When the world looks at us, they actually see Jesus. And then Paul says in verse 13, he tells us how to become part of this body. He says this, some of us are Jews and some are Gentiles. A Gentile is just a non-Jewish person. Some are slaves and some are free, but we have all been baptized into one spirit, uh, into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Paul makes it clear that the way that we enter into this body is by being baptized. Now, I love what uh, scholar David Guzik says about baptism. He says this. He says, the main point of baptism isn't that it's an initiation ceremony into the church. So you're not baptized into Genesis Church or any other church. He says, you're baptized as your identification as believers in and followers of Jesus. And so when we're baptized, we are, we're identifying in Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection for the payment of our sins. But in this particular verse, this is really interesting. Paul isn't talking about water baptism. He's actually talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that's what takes place the moment that we surrender our lives to Jesus. When we admit that we have sinned and we've damaged our relationship against God, and we put our faith in what Jesus has done for us, his death, burial, and resurrection for the forgiveness of our sins, when we put our trust in him, according to scripture, that's the moment that the Holy Spirit enters into our life. It's the moment that we're adopted into God's family. It's the moment that our sins are forgiven. And according to Paul, that's the moment when we become part of this really special thing called the church, also known as the body of Christ. And here's the really cool thing about this analogy. In the same way that the body is made up of diverse and different parts, we get to celebrate all of our differences and the different roles we play within the church. Because look around, with the exception of Noah and Jacob here that are twins, all the rest of us look differently than one another. And even these guys are different. They're not the same person. And so if you look around, 
None of us are the same. We're all different and unique in our own special ways. But here's the question. Here's the question. Do our differences tend to bring us together, together or push us apart? They push us apart, right? We argue over the things that make us different. And that was the problem in the church in Corinth. And I don't know if you've been paying attention. That's a huge problem in our world. And sadly, it's a big problem within the church today in the United States. And that's why this portion of scripture that we're reading today, it's lined up in our reading plan for the next few days. This is why it's so important for us to read and study and to know what it has to say for us. And so this particular passage of scripture, if you're reading it in your Bible, it's probably labeled as many parts, one body, or some Bibles say unity and diversity in the body. Now think about it. Do unity and diversity sound like the same thing? They sound like something very different because when you think of unity, you think of something that's the same or similar. And when you think of diversity, you think about things being opposite or different. So here's a really important question. Is it possible to have unity and diversity at the same time? And here's a more important question. Is it possible to have that within the church? I mean, just think about what we've experienced in our world over the last 18 months. And when you think about things like politics and race relations and mask mandates, would you say that since March of 2020, would you say that we have experienced unity and diversity or forced uniformity and division? There's a lot of division in our world. There's a lot of people arguing with lots of other people on all the things that are, they're really passionate about. And our world has embraced now more than ever before an us versus them mentality where somebody's going to win and somebody's going to lose at all costs. And this is why Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 12 are so important, whether we are a student or an adult, while we have to strive for unity and diversity within the church. Now, within the church, we get to celebrate the unique way that God has created and designed and gifted and called each and every one of us. We celebrate that. We love that. We celebrate our differences, but our goal in the church, no matter where we're from, no matter how old or young we are, our goal is to be united in our faith in Jesus so that we can work together in our differences to care for one another. That's the way God has designed the church to work. And while we do that, we also, in our differences, we help people find their way back to God. And so that is why Paul is saying he is striving for both unity and diversity within the church. So look at what he says in verses 14 through 16. He says, yes, the body has many parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? And then in the verses that follow, he gives some pretty hilarious examples of what this looks like. And since it's Halloween, I think you're gonna enjoy this. I'm gonna read what Paul writes and I'm just gonna give you some visual representations of what it might look like. So in verse 17, he says, if the whole body were an eye, how would you hear, right? Imagine if this is what we look like. This reminds me of Mike Wazowski, right? Minus the arms. And Mike's a pretty likable guy, but we would all look weird if we just, if that's what we look like, if we were just an eye. Or then he says this, or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? Now, I don't know. Two things. Who would want to be an ear for Halloween? And why are they making these costumes, right? I don't, I don't understand. It would just be really odd. 
Verse 18, but our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. Verse 19, listen to this. How strange a body would be if we only had one part. Paul says strange, I say creepy, right? I mean, just imagine if that's what the church looked like and we were just all reaching out and grabbing for our own thing, which is kind of what we do anyway in our selfishness, right? But verse 20 says, Paul says, yes, there are many parts, but only one body. And I think this is a pretty fitting illustration because you've got the whole skeleton here and everything is labeled. There are bones that are huge, there are bones that are small, but all of them go together to make up the body. On top of that, there's muscles and there's organs and there's all these parts that God has created us with to work together in unity to point people to Jesus. Now you might think, well, that's kind of a ridiculous example. Well, those are Paul's words and they kind of get hit home for us. He's saying, we need diversity in the body of Christ. And that diversity is, 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 comes out in the way that God gifts us, in the way he calls us. It's a diversity of colors and cultural backgrounds and social classes. It can be a diversity of political views and even some theological things that we might not agree on. But our number one goal, Paul says, this is non-negotiable. Within the church, within the body of Christ, there must be diversity and unity. He continues in verse 21. He says, the eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. Have you ever heard the statistic that if you cut off your little toe, you actually wouldn't have balance? I don't know if that's true or not, but if it's true, you literally can't live without one of the smallest parts of your body. And Paul's saying that here, like everybody needs everyone else. So Paul is championing, by the way, kids, don't go cut off your toe or your sister's toe to see if that's true, okay? I'm just saying, that's just an analogy. But Paul is championing our diversity that makes us all unique and different and at the very same time striving for unity so we can, we can operate as a whole. And he says, you know, within the body of Christ, no one can be proud and say, well, I'm kind of a big deal. I'm more important than everyone else. He says, nope, we're all part of the same body. And none of us can say, well, I'm just small and insignificant. I'm too young. I'm not smart enough. I don't know enough. Paul says, nope, we're all part of the same body. And so maybe it helps to think of it like this. Unity without diversity is uniformity. And uniformity is where everybody just looks the same and everybody just gets in line and we all do the same thing. And that is not good. No one would enjoy that. And diversity without unity is chaos, and also, that is not good. And right now, the overriding message in our world is that everybody can be as different as you want to be. You get to define what's right for you, and you're not to let anyone tell you what to believe. Don't let anybody put you in a box. Don't let anyone tell you how you're to identify. Everyone gets to make their own rules. Everyone gets to decide what's right for you. And here's the problem. Our world is promoting unity at all cost. I'm sorry, diversity at all cost. At all cost. And we're ignoring what true unity should really look like. And here, you know what the result is. You know this. You feel this. This is why you don't like to watch the news with your kids. Because the world we're living in has us living on the edge of anarchy, where everybody, you just be diverse. And if you don't get along with me, I'm just going to crush you. That's no way to live. And this is why Paul's words were so necessary to the church in Corinth. It was literally pulling them apart. And that's why these words are so important for us today in 2021. 
And I want you to listen how Paul wraps up this entire passage of scripture in verses 25 and 26. He says this, this makes for, this is the unity and diversity. Unity and diversity makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. Paul says the goal of pursuing unity and diversity is this amazing thing called harmony where we care for one another. We carry one, another burden, one another's burden. So if one of us suffers, we all suffer collectively as a community. It's what we do. And if somebody succeeds, we, we celebrate. That's what we're supposed to do. But our world says, well, if your enemy fails, you celebrate. But if they win, you can complain and you can fight and you can push against that. We live in a world that is so filled with hatred and anger. It's so important for us as a church to get this message, to stand up as representatives of the grace and mercy of Jesus that we've received. Because our world doesn't need more yelling, it needs more listening. It needs less arguing and more understanding, less judgment and more forgiveness, less division and more unity. And here's the humbling thing for those of us that follow Jesus. We're expected to go first because we have tasted and seen and received the goodness of God, the grace and mercy of Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. And so when it comes to championing diversity and unity, we get to go first and we get to show the world what it looks like. And I'm convinced this is why the church is such a unique and powerful gift for those of us that follow Jesus. Because as the church, we get to enjoy unity through our common faith in Jesus, through the common faith where our sins are forgiven by what he has done for us, the common faith that adopts us into God's family and fills us with the Holy Spirit through faith in what Jesus has done for us. And that common faith should result in a harmony where we care for one another in such a way that the people on the outside looking in, they might say, I think you're weird, but I want what you have. Will you please teach me and show me how to live like that? You know, Jesus said, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another, which tells me that the church is meant to be a support system for the broken and the hurting and those that are suffering. And look, I'm gonna be honest here at Genesis. We haven't figured this out yet. We're not perfect. We trip over ourselves all the time. But I would say, I feel like we're making progress in learning how to do this thing that Paul is challenging us to, unity and diversity. We've got a long way to go, but since COVID has hit over a year and a half ago, we, we realize we need, we need one another. We cannot do this life all by ourselves. So this is why we value coming together on Sunday mornings. It's great for you to tune in online. That's wonderful. But there is something special that happens when we come together and we get to see the body as a whole. And we get to sing together and study scripture together and worship together and hang out in the lobby together. And this is why we put such a high value on small groups that meet throughout the course of the week here on campus or in cafes or in homes, because we think it's really important that all of us are sitting across from other people and we're sharing our life and we're studying scripture and we're praying for one another. We're just caring for one another because we cannot do this thing on our own. And so for those of you that are part of a group right now, I want you to know you are doing your part to help make this church family strong. 
You are, you are shoring up our weaknesses by meeting together. And if you're not part of one of those groups, I want to invite you to join one. You can go to our website at genesischurch.me slash groups. There's a ton of groups you can choose from, but we're getting ready to launch a brand new group on Sunday morning starting next week. It's going to meet, I believe it's going to meet in the front room from 1030 to 1130. And our disciple-making pastor, Kevin Russell, is going to lead folks through a seven-week series on this amazing book called The Prodigal God by Tim Keller. And if you're curious to know, like, what is the gospel and how can I live that out? I want to invite you to come here. You'll get to meet some new people. You'll get to study God's word together. And the goal of this group is to launch you in a group that's going to last longer beyond that. But this is an opportunity for you to engage in community. So you can go to our website under the groups tab and you can find out how to serve there or find me and Nikki. We can give you all the details. But don't pass up this opportunity to get connected to a group. And also as a church family, one of the things that makes a place like Genesis special is we don't just give here, we celebrate generosity. And we love partnering with local people to make an impact all around our world. And so right now we're partnering with our friends at Food for Souls and our Love Your Neighbor Drive to collect cold weather items for the homeless population in and around Indianapolis. We can do this. This is, this is what the church is called to do where we, we care for one another, but we care for the people around us as well also. And so here's my question as we wrap up today. When you think about what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12, and for those of us that are in Christ, we're part of this body, here's the question, where do you fit into the body of Christ here at Genesis? Where do you fit in to the body of Christ here at Genesis? And I realize as I ask that question and I look out and I see all of your faces, I see so many of you, you're in a group, you're serving, you're giving, you're helping. And I just want to say as one of the pastors here, thank you. You might not know this, you might not feel this, you might not experience this, but Genesis is such a special place because of the work that you're doing to build up and strengthen our church community together. But I also know that some of us are sitting on the fringe. You're not connected. You're not involved. You're showing up and you're enjoying a message. You're listening to the music. And I just want you to know there is more to walking with Jesus than that. And I would say this, you need the body and the body needs you. That's just the way that this is designed to work. We need one another. How many of you like to, to build puzzles? Okay, our family, we're puzzle people. When it gets cold in the wintertime, we get out a variety of puzzles. And our family is currently working on the hardest puzzle on the planet. It's a Star Wars puzzle. And it, just imagine a black sky with a bunch of stars. It's impossible, okay? It'll take us till Thanksgiving to get it done at least. But earlier this week, my wife and kids were building a Harry Potter puzzle one of their favorite puzzles. They're building it, they're building it. And they get to the end and I'm like, I, I count seven spaces and six pieces, but surely we'll find that last piece. They get all the way to the end and there's this hole right in the middle. They were so close and, and they weren't satisfied. They were actually bummed that that one piece is missing, right? They didn't get to finish it. Now that same feeling is what happens in the church when we don't all use our gifts and our talents and abilities to build up the body. We're, we're just, we just fall short. And it's not that the Holy Spirit can't overcome that. It's just that we're not all engaging in the body the way that God intends. And so what is your unique fit here at Genesis? Because I want you to know we have a place for you. There's a place for you to serve and to use your gifts here on a Sunday morning. There's a place for you to help us reach out in our community. There is a group where you can come and share your life with people because you need the body and the body needs you. We are missing out without you. Now, I want to remind you, the way that we become part of this body is by surrendering to Jesus. 
by agreeing that we have sinned against God, by putting our faith and trust in what Jesus has done for us, by being baptized into him, that's how you enter into this body of believers. And then from there, we launch out together to care for one another and to help people find their way back to God. And so as we pray in this last moment, I wanna challenge every one of you to think about where, where you're, where's your role and how can you take a next step? And if you're ready to take a next step, maybe it's a next step of faith in following Jesus, come find me or Nikki after service. Or if you're ready to start serving, go to the blue tent. They can tell you about groups and serving. But we need you and, and you need us. This is just the way God has designed this to work. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I'm, I'm thankful for Paul's words to the Corinthian church. I'm sad to know that the Corinthian church fought to the point that Paul had to write two letters to say, hey guys, this is what unity in Christ looks like. But we see that in our world. We see your church, it's, things are shaky, things are scary, things are uncertain. And so we pray that you would help us to be united. Would you help us to celebrate the diverse gifts you have given us, the callings that you've given us, and would you unite us as one body focused on you, Jesus, serving you, being generous in your name? Would you help us to give up on our own selfish desires and to unite as one to make an impact in this world for you? Holy Spirit, I pray for any of my friends that have not made the decision to surrender to Jesus. I pray that they would hear your voice calling them and they would respond. They would receive your gift of forgiveness in the power of Jesus' name. They would be excited about joining this body. They would be baptized into you, Jesus. And they would join us on this mission of helping people find their way back to God and making disciples that make disciples. Jesus, we wanna honor you in what we do. We love you and we praise you. It's in your great name we pray, amen.